intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm. Oh my God! Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. She bobbles it and now has to try and recover. Deshaun Jackson gets a block. Are you kidding? Steps into it. Pass is caught. Jakes sideline touchdown. Hello and welcome back to The Master Plan. I am Michael Filipkowski, your host, and today I am doing another solo segment as as often happens. Um, I haven't done one of these in a while, but I figured that this is probably a good one to do by myself, um, especially because of the topic. So let's get right into it. Um, so I conducted an index project for my statistics class, and um, basically what an index project means is or an index of data is it means you're ranking some sort of data. Um, it could be types of cars. Uh, it could be um, brands of violins. It could be computers, um, types of paper. It really, it really can be anything. Um, and so what I chose, um, obviously sports related, um, because I figured that I could do a podcast on it, was uh, top tennis players. Now, I... I for this index, I picked what I thought were probably the top 15 tennis players of all time. So it's actually a pretty big um, um, group of data, at least in terms of the amount of people. Um, and and then I and then this whole point was to rank those 15. Um, and those 15 are in, in no particular order. Rod Laver, Bjorn Borg, Roger Federer, Pete Sampras, Andre Agassi, John McEnroe, Jimmy Connors, Yvonne Lendl, Ken Rosewall, Rafael Nadal, Mats Wielander, Boris Becker, Stefan Edberg, Novak Djokovic, and Arthur Ashe. Um, and let's be clear that these rankings are, are solely based off of the data. Um, these My opinions are only used inside the data um, for certain things, but we'll go over like my input um, into that at some point. However, um, everything you see here is uh, statistical analysis based. Um, so this actually isn't really my opinion as much as it is um, based off of the metrics that I picked um, and stuff like that. Um, and, and, so, and so we'll go through it. But first, I want to give a little bit of context to what we're doing today. Um, so what, what an index you know, consists of um, is it's just, it's just in the end, you, I, got, I got a, sim, a number, right? And, and the higher the number... Um, um, obviously the better the player is, um, in, in that, in that set, um, comparatively, um, the lower the number and it's positive and negatives and, 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 um, and yeah, um, so the higher the number, obviously the better the player is, the lower the number, uh, the worse the player is by these metrics. Um, and, le and let's go through, um, the five metrics that I used or the five cases. So I used overall win percentage, uh, career earnings, um, Prize money only. So this isn't this isn't from um, you know sponsorships and stuff like that. This is just prize money only, and it was adjusted to today's inflation rate. So if they made four million back in the eighties, it would be X amount of money today. It'd be greater. Um, wins versus top ten opponents at that time. So when they played an opponent who was also ranked in the top ten at that time, that number of wins. Um, I recorded um, Grand Slam finals wins and weeks as world number one, um, and then and then from that I would I would I would get uh, I would get an average, right? Um, and I, I would average out the data, so I would have fifteen different um, 
uh, data points, right? So for overall win percentage, Rod Laver had a 78.4 overall win percentage. Um, and then the other 14 had, you know, different, different uh, numbers. So I would average out that win, the win percentage of the total um, set of data. Um, so overall win percentage, the average of that was 78.43. Um, so for these 15 players, um, and then the standard deviation. So let's go through that a little bit. So the standard deviation is how far um, um, something deviates from the mean, or, and this is the, and this is, you know, the standard deviation is is the is the average compiled standard deviation of all the data points from the mean. And and for you younger listeners, this can be a little bit difficult to comprehend, um, but but eventually we'll get there. So basically, what the standard deviation means is it's it's how far a specific data point. Um, well, well, the, the standard deviation again. It means um, how far all of the data uh, deviates from the mean. Uh, and so, the best way I can describe it is is uh, the measure of amount of like variation or or dispersion uh, of a set of values. Um, so, so a higher standard deviation means that the data values are farther away from each other, all the data points, and the lower standard deviation means that they're closer together. Um, and so for the overall win percentage, it was 4.28 and then you know, decimal places after that. Um, and then I'll go through the other four. So career earnings, uh, tournaments only, uh, and this was adjusted. So um, the mean uh, number of, of, of tournament wins adjusted was... Uh, 44 million and then the standard deviation was actually incredibly close 46,736 46 million sorry 736,947 um and 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 that and the reason for that level of disparity is we have someone like Roger Federer who has won uh, a career grand total of 129 million uh, nearly $130 million in prize money. And someone like Rod Laver, even though I adjusted it, it, it still only, you know, he was only at 5 million. Um, so there's definitely a huge gap in the data there. And um, that's why the standard deviation for that is so particularly high. Um, I would like to point out uh, that, you know, that, 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 that's really important. Um, and, and going forward that the weighting of the data became really, really important, um, um, from that. Uh, so it, it was, it was difficult, um, in, in that sort of sense. Um, and you know, that kind of biases the data in a certain way. Um, but there was no other way I could go about it because I did adjust it. Um, and there were other places where, where the same thing occurred, but in the opposite fashion. So, um, you know, we'll get to, we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, okay. So then for wins versus top 10 opponents. Uh, so the average was 116, uh, and the standard deviation was 67. Again, the standard deviation is very high because I'm just counting the wins, not win percentage. Someone like Roger Federer had 200, has 224 wins. Um, while someone like Rod Laver only had 14. Um, again, the reason why the standard deviation is so high, uh, now I would like to point out. Sorry, going back to the career earnings, um, that the numbers um, again adjusted. It's difficult, uh, but I I did weight that much lower 
Uh, so, so there was more fairness in respect, in respect because also career earnings don't have that much to do um, with tennis today uh, or with how good a player is. Uh, so that's why I kind of ranked it a bit lower, but, uh, you know, otherwise I, I think, I think I made some pretty good choices. Um, and then, and then, so finally, uh, the grand slam finals wins and I have, I have plenty of data sheets in front of me. So I'm kind of flipping through the papers as we go. Um, so grand slam finals wins, um, you know, and, 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 and you know, this was difficult, um, not not too difficult. So the average was about is ten point two, um, and and the f- and the standard deviation was five point oh eight. And so by the way, for for all of this data, this is as of the year they retired, which is which is not as important or a to date or as of the year they retired. So um, I would like to point out that career earnings adjusted. Um, I did have to make a choice because obviously they didn't earn all that money within one year, and inflation does have a uh, uh, you know over years, it does have an effect. Um, so I calculated the inflation rate based off of the year that they retired. Uh, so someone like Borg who had, who started his career, then retired then came back the year he retired the second time would be the time that I calculated his total prize money. Um, and, and that, you know, that's, that's a decision I had to make. Um, but you know, I, it, it wouldn't be fair to, 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 do do it from the year that they started. Um, and, and because some players are still playing, I figured that that was the best way to calculate it because someone like Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic are all still playing. Uh, so it would be unfair to to do that. Uh, and then finally, Weeks is one number one. Um, this was an interesting one, and I'll get to that in a second. So the mean was 170.8, and the standard deviation, again, was 118. So very, very high. And, and so... For for players who played a long time ago, uh, this was difficult because the data uh, uh, keeping in the tennis world at that point was difficult. Um, but I did want to get a good list of the top fifteen players. I could have made a decision to 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 keep it to players in, in the open era, and that just means like the age of tennis that we're in right now. Um, but I decided not to because that really then wouldn't be the top fifteen tennis players of all time. Uh, so. For someone like Rod Laver, for seven years he was ranked as the world number one. Um, but but again, you know, f- I think three of those years it was just decided by some publication. It wasn't. I don't know if it, it wasn't decided by tournaments. Um, and someone like Arthur Ashe was only there. I think one one year. So I gave him fifty two weeks, and I gave Rod Laver three hundred sixty four weeks, which is. Um, the way I decided to do it, because I felt like it wouldn't be fair to give them less, right? Because um, they were the best player in the world at that time. Uh, so, again, it, it's difficult. It's difficult to say. Um, but but that was just a decision that I had to make. Um, but, yeah. So, let's move on to to the actual kind of the crunching of the numbers part. So that's all the data. Now let's go let's go into like what how how I really like uh, made made this data make sense. Um into into one final number. So let's talk about a z score for a bit. So a z score basically um is just it's 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 difficult to describe. Um but a z score right is 
is isn't I'm trying to figure out how to word this the best. So it is the number of standard deviations away um, from the mean. And what I mean by that, and I know I'm saying mean, but I'm using two different means here. Um, what I mean by that is, okay, let's take a specific example and then kind of run through that a little bit. Um, Cause maybe, maybe that will work a bit better. Um, so let's take Rod Laver, for example. He had a 78.4 career winning percentage, as I already had previously mentioned. The average is 78.43 and then decimals, and the standard deviation is 4.2869, blah, 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 blah. So for his Z-score, which is the, the number of standard deviations away from the mean that he is, and the mean, remember, is 78.43. So the equation that we, you know, that we use is, is the observed value, or 78.4, minus the mean, in this case, 78.43, divided by the standard deviation. And that will give us how many standard deviations away from the mean it is. Um, and so Rod Laver, obviously, because 78.4 and 78.43, you know, 266666 are super, super close, his z-score is going to be incredibly close to zero, slightly negative because, again, the mean is slightly greater than the observed value. And that's what I did for every single data point. And there are 75 of them. And how we know that is because there's five metrics that I was using and there are 15 players, um, which is 75. Uh, so 75 times. Now, I didn't actually calculate this myself. I did I did this on sheets, um, which, which allows you to do it kind of with a click of a button. Um, or a couple clicks of a button, I guess. Um, and so I did that 75 times and got you know all the data sets, all the data points, all the Z scores for all the different data points that we had previously talked about. Um, and, and that, okay, so, but we're still not done yet because the one thing, you know, if I, if I added up those Z scores at that point, we would have gotten, um, we, we would have actually gotten the rankings. We would have gotten the rankings of the numbers and, and, if we added them up, um, that would be the top 15 players of all time. However, that would be if all five of these categories were to be weighted equally. They shouldn't be. And that's and that's where my input, that's where probably most of my input came into play. Besides um, making those judgment calls with some like Rod Laver or Arthur Ashe and picking the, the different metrics in which we would uh, categorize them by. So for the percentages, and this is the weighted percentage, so I weighted the, every Z-score and then I added them up. So for the overall win percentage, I weighed that 20% because I figured, you know, that's that's important um, to win, you know, win, you know, very high portion of your matches. Um, but but ultimately that doesn't make you a great, like one of the, you know, that, that shouldn't have a huge effect on the greatest. It should have a big effect, but not, Bigger than bigger than some of the others. Career earnings, I ranked it only. I had only ten percent because I figured, you know, earnings aren't that important, um, but they are. They are important in terms of you know, we're not talking about uh, uh, master uh, uh, one thousand tournaments, uh, tournaments of of lower point value, like un, lower than Grand Slams, but that are so huge, like uh, Indian Wells and stuff like that. So I I thought that. You know, it should have a, an effect. It should play a part, 
but comparatively to the other ones, it should not play as big of a part. So I only had it at 10%. So someone like Rod Laver, even though he made, you know, only $5 million and his, you know, it's going to be far, you know, a lot of standard deviations away from the mean or, or Z score. The Z score is going to be pretty, pretty negative. Um, it was only weighted at 10%. So that effect lessened. Um, but I felt, I felt that it wasn't fair just to say, oh, because Rod Laver played a long, long time ago, it's, it's not fair to have that category. Um, but we'll get to that part a little bit later on why I picked these categories. Wins versus top 10 opponents, I had a 25%. And that's the highest out of all of them. Because I figured that if you are, you know, if you're beating consistently, if you have a lot of wins versus people who are ranked in the top 10, you're obviously, you know, that's the highest, that's the best competition of that time period, right? So you're competing against the best people of your time period. Uh, so I felt that that had to be huge um, in, in, in something like that. Grand Slam Finals wins, I had it 1% lower at 24%. Um, and the reason why I had it you know, slightly less is because, uh, you know, someone like Arthur Ashe, who's obviously an incredible player, um, only had three World uh, Grand Slam wins. Um, and that's because of the, the changeover in tennis uh, and the in, in, the formation of the ATP tour. Um, I believe I did count world championship titles um, in this, um, in this metric. So I think that's just something to be known for some of the older players. Okay. And then finally weeks at world number one, I had a 21% rounding us out at a hundred percent, which is what it should be. Um, and the reason why I did that was because, I felt that if you're if you're there for for a very long time, if you're sol solidly the number one player of your time of your era, you deserve to to have that be written um, written down. And this is total weeks, by the way, not consecutive. Um, and and so I, you know, all that data was compiled and then it was weighted as I just mentioned. Um, and then we got the raw data um, for for the percentage calculated wins. So that's the the weighted average. Um, and then those five numbers for each player are added up to give us a grand value. So like the final value. But however, I would like to talk a little bit about the metrics and why I picked them. So I originally had seven different metrics that I was going to use. Actually, wait, did I have seven? One, two. I had eight, eight different metrics that I originally was going to use. The reason why I was unable to use those metrics was because the data keeping of those metrics was not as good um, way back when. So someone like Rod Laver, I wouldn't have been able to find his average first serve speed, uh, his first serve percentage. Um, there's something called under pressure points on the ATP tour, which I looked at and I was like, wow, that's, that's really important. And it's not the amount of points you've won under pressure, but it's just like you're a, a ranking. Um, unfortunately, you know, that data is not available for every single player. Um, so, and that's why I was limited in the amount of data samples or metrics that I was able to pick. Um, I would like to make something clear that, you know, this data was not easy to find. Um, and, you know, for, for people like Arthur Ashe and for other players uh, of, of, of that later, of that earlier time period, there is competing data. So I would like to acknowledge that. Um, and again, these aren't even my opinions. These are just like the, the, the data that is calculated, um, from, from what I was saying, um, and, and so I would just like to present this data. It was a project that I did. And I think that the data actually comes out in a really interesting way. So I think that I think that's important to mention. Um, but again, you know, it's for tennis, this was difficult. I think I think if I were to do this again, do something like this again, 
I would have to pick um, players uh, since 2000 or, or of this decade or of well 2010 to 2020 because it's just there's more data there's more you know there's more stuff available uh, so I think that's what I would do but let's get into it because I'm sure you guys are, are just itching you didn't really expect so much uh, math and statistics to me evolve but that's how a lot of this is created and I think it's important because if you can learn how to do this you can actually create your own data sets and stuff like that and actually have something to back up your opinions um, let's move into it um, and I have the data right in front of me. Okay, here we go. At 15, we have Arthur Ashe. Um, you know, he was an inc you know incredible player. Um, you know, Arthur Ashe Stadium in in at the U.S. Open is named after him. He was an incredible player. Unfortunately, I think that this data, you know, the data set, the data metrics that I picked didn't work out well for him. His prize money, I believe, was the lowest. He had the second lowest amount of career wins versus top 10 opponents. He had the lowest amount of grand slams. Um, and he had, I believe, like the third lowest weeks as world number one and the lowest career winning percentage. And and that unfortunately um, affected him. Um, you know, these data metrics weren't kind to him, I would say. Uh, and I wouldn't say that that's um, observant. Not observant, but but reflective on his career. Again, he had an incredible career. Every single person on this list had incredible incredible careers, and I'm sure if he picked other metrics or weighted them differently, he would have uh, performed better. Uh, but again, these were the metrics that I chose, and especially with Arthur Ashe, I did pick a winning percentage that was off the ATP Tour website, um, and there are differing opinions. So you know, don't give me hate on that, please. <laughs> At number fourteen, Mats Wielander. Um, you know, again, a similar, a similar, uh, you know, thing to Arthur Ashe. Um, you know, his overall win percentage was was remarkably low, and and kind of everything else was low. Uh, his career earnings were pretty high, but again, I didn't factor that in so much. Um, so you know, he was he was affected greatly by that. Uh, at thirteen, Ken Rosewall, I you know, a, an older player just like Arthur Ashe. Affected similarly, a lot of the data points are very difficult to come by for Arthur Ashe and these types of players. Um, so, uh, you know, again, you know, I, I was I was searching through Wikipedia in in subsets of articles and subsets of of uh, you know, and this was difficult to find. So, um, not I, I think most of it is correct, um, but there might be some points where you know data entries are incorrect. Um, and I just want to preface that by by saying, you know. I want to preface the data by saying that. Okay, moving on. Number 12, we had Stefan Edberg. Um, you know, uh, you know, I, I, we're kind of getting into to, to the more present day slightly, slightly slowly. Um, and and you know, I think we're we're now moving into more performance-based. Boris Becker at number 11, Andre Agassi at number 10. At number nine, we have John McEnroe. At number eight, where's number eight? We had Rod Laver, which, you know, which shows you that even though Rod Laver played a long, long time ago, um, the data sense that he performed well in, um, you know, I mean, he had 11 Grand Slam finals wins. Um, but I think what, a boost, what boosted him a little bit more um, was the fact that I had him at 364 weeks at world number one. Um, but again, that's fair. 
because you know of uh, you know he was world number one for those that time. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say that that one that one's fair. Um, at number seven we have Bjorn Borg. Um, you know I think on this list he had the high, the second highest winning percentage for his career, third highest winning percentage for his career. Um, incredible player. Um, again, you know that that career it's hurt him a little bit. Um, that brought him down a little bit. Um, okay, uh, moving on at number. <sighs> Six, we have Pete Sampras. Um, I was actually surprised that he wasn't higher. I thought that he would be a little bit higher, um, but he wasn't. And I think I think most of that was, and, and the reason why that was was because I'm just looking. Um, that actually is really really surprising that he wasn't higher because his career earnings. Was high, but it looks like it probably came from the fact that his winning percentage was seventy eight percent, and that he only had sixty four. No, it mostly probably came for the fact that his wins versus top ten opponents was only sixty four, um, and that that was the most heavily weighted category. So that definitely negatively affected him. Number five, we have Ivan Lendl, who was an absolute tank. I mean, he performed well in every single category. I believe. Um, you know, he performed extremely well in every single category. Um, you know, Grand Slam Finals wins, he actually, you know, performed probably, you know, I think what he had, he had, he had eight, I believe. So that was actually kind of surprising. Um, you know, again, you know, he had, he, he was an incredible player um, and, and that obviously reflected in this data. So I think um, that as we get higher in the data or, or higher up in the numbers, the rankings, um, this is this is reflected. At number four, we have Jimmy Connors, um, which I was surprised about. Um, but this data set worked really, really well for him, um, which, you know, kudos to him, I guess. Um, he had an 82.4% winning percentage. He, you know, he only had $14 million in career earnings, but again, weighted really, really low. He had 233 wins versus top 10 opponents, which is the most on this list, right? So that definitely helped him in that category, being it as the highest weighted one. Um, I believe he only had... Um, he had eight Grand Slam Finals wins, which is, again, you know, similar to, to Lendl. Um, and, and then he had... Sorry, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to compare the data here. And I believe he had 268 weeks as well number one. So we, you know, he did a lot of things right. This this reflected well. Um, but at you know, one, two, and three, it's you know, I think this data is definitely biased in a way um towards towards recent players because you know, one, two, and three, we have recent players who players are still playing today. So I think that that definitely plays a part. Um at number three, Rafael Nadal, um, the highest winning percentage. Uh, tons of career earnings. What hurt him, um, I would say, quite a bit was his was his wins versus top ten opponents. Um, that probably hurt him the most. Um, and then you know, I mean, you know, his weeks as world number one um, aren't as aren't as high as the other two players on this list. Um, so that's what kept him out of the top two at Nova or. Uh, Novak Djokovic at number two, um, 82.97. You know, list worked really, really well for him. He has a second, the third most wins against top 10 opponents. 
Um, he has 17 grand slams in 275 weeks as world number one. Um, but let's move on to our world number one. We've already done a podcast. No, we have. Have we done a podcast episode? I think we have. Uh, Roger Federer at number one. 82.1 career winning percentage, 129, nearly $130 million in career prize earned money, um, which is the most on this list, I do believe. Let me just kind of scan quickly. No, it's actually it's actually the second most amount of career prize money, according to according to my numbers. Um, he had 224 wins versus top 10 opponents, which is second best. He has 20 Grand Slam Finals wins, which is the best, and 310 weeks of one number one. So when you come in second in two categories, first in two categories, and and place above the mean and the and the four and the fifth, um, you're gonna you're gonna be number one. Um, so that's that's the data. That's the metrics. Uh, you know, I hope you know you can tell me if you agree or not with my list. Um, again, it's not even it's not even really my list. It's just um, what I calculated. Um, so yeah. Perfect. Um, that was that was really really fun um, to go over go over what I did. Uh, so thank you for listening to another episode of the Master Plan. I'm your host Michael Filipkowski, and have a excellent day, everybody.